Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In nearly all of the Gospel stories, Jesus is the central figure of the story. His preaching, his teaching, his miracles, his way of life. But in this Gospel, for this weekend, Jesus, yes, he performs a miracle by walking on the water, but he isn't the central figure of the story. Instead, Peter is. And Peter teaches us some valuable lessons in the spiritual life. Now, in order for us to understand this gospel passage for today, we have to understand the whole context in in which it is set in. Before this miracle, Jesus performed the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, in which he feeds 5,000 people. Well, after he's performed this miracle, he tells his apostles to go ahead, that he will meet up with them at the other side of the lake. And Jesus dismisses the rest of the crowd In some ways, it's kind of like a priest at the end of Mass. He gives the final blessing, and he dismisses the people in church. Well, that's what Jesus is doing right now. But notice the little detail at the end. It says, Jesus went up the mountain to a deserted place and prayed. Now, this is typical in the day of the life of Jesus Christ. Whether Jesus was preaching, teaching, performing miracles, he always took time out every day of his life to go and pray to God the Father. And so must we. We must be people of prayer and daily prayer. There's no way that we can say, well, I pray maybe once or twice a week, but I have a right relationship with God. Well, no, we don't. We're just kidding ourselves. A good analogy would be like a husband and wife. There's no way a husband and wife can say to each other, you know, honey, I'm going to speak to you maybe once or twice a week, a few times a month, but we're going to have a rock-solid marriage. Well, they're just kidding themselves. The marriage is doomed for failure. Remember what I said last week in my homily. If you were to summarize our faith with one sentence, it's about relationship with Christ, God. And an integral part of that relationship is communication, praying. We must be following Jesus' example. Part of our everyday life should be prayer. But also we should be creative with it. Maybe we're an early riser. Well, rise a little bit earlier and that's your time to pray. Or maybe you're driving in your car, commuting to work, or maybe running errands. You're all alone in your car. Well, turn off your radio. Turn off your phone. Now is the time for you to pray, to be alone with Christ. If Jesus thought prayer was very important for him, we should always have that same thought ourselves. Now, next in the story, the apostles, they get into the boat together, and suddenly a storm is unpredicted and tosses them about in the boat. Well, we have to realize travel in the ancient world was dangerous, and travel by sea was probably the most dangerous. Why? Well, in our day and age, 
we have Doppler weather. You know, we have Doppler radar weather where we can track storms that are maybe two or three hours away from us. And we can also know the severity of those storms so we can plan for our travel. Well, in the ancient world, they didn't have that. And so these storms kicked up many times unexpectedly. More to it, the ships, they would navigate by sailing parallel to the shore. They didn't stray out too far from the shore so that if a storm did kick up, they could immediately go into the shore and take port and safety. Well, these apostles, they're now in the boat. Now, the early church fathers saw this as a symbol of our church and how our church, for centuries on end, is tossed about by chaos. When you think about the history of our church, it is so true. The first 300 years of our church was chaotic. It was persecuted. Our popes, many of the popes in the first 300 years of our church were executed and martyred because of what we do today, worshiping God. Fast forward to the 14th century, we have the Great Western Schism, in which three individual men declared themselves to be the pope and the leaders of the church. About 200 years later, we had the Great Reformation, led by Martin Luther, which truly fractured our church, especially in Europe. In our day and age, we have the clergy abuse scandal. And so for centuries on end, our church has been rocked with storms, chaos. Now, the story continues. It says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. And that's interesting. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., the darkest part of the night and probably the worst part of the storm. And yet it is at that time that Jesus comes to rescue the apostles. Now, the symbolism is rich for us. In the midst of our struggles, our storms, Jesus comes to us, even during the darkest times. Now, we all have struggles in life. No one is immune from them. We all have different struggles, different storms that blow in and out of our life. They come in many different forms. Maybe poor health. Maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe depression, anxiety, maybe unemployment, strained relationships at home or at work. Whatever they may be, these are storms that blow in and out of our life. And when all seems dark, when all seems hopeless in the midst of these struggles, that's when Jesus comes. He comes to rescue us, just like he does with the apostles. Now, at first, the apostles are terrified. Because of the storm, and they think that they're going to perish, and now they see somebody, even a ghost, they think, walking on the water. Well, in the midst of our struggles, whatever it may be, we sometimes are afraid ourselves. You know, we face unemployment, and we are afraid. Where am I going to get my health insurance? Or maybe we face declining health, an unexpected diagnosis, and we say to ourselves, how am I going to be able to take care of myself? or afford my medication. And so we are fearful, just like the apostles. But Jesus comes to take away all that fear. And Peter is the first. He summons the courage to go out and meet with Jesus on the water. And Jesus commands him to do just that. And so Peter does. He does. He summons the courage of Christ in his life to go out and meet Jesus on the water. Now when Peter goes out, out of the boat, we see 
His attention is focused. His attention is riveted on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Nothing else distracts him. He is completely focused on Jesus Christ. That's why he has now the power of Christ to walk over the chaos of the storms. The storms no longer control Peter's fear. That's why he walks over it. Well, the same thing holds true with us. We have to be riveted. Our attention must always be focused on the presence of Christ in our life. Nothing should stand in our way. Nothing should distract us from the presence of Christ in our life. And so, we recognize that presence. We are riveted towards Jesus in our life by praying every day, by engaging the sacraments, by coming to Mass every week, by performing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. All those are ways in which our attention is focused, riveted on Jesus Christ in Christ alone. And when that happens, then, like Peter, we have the power of Christ inside of us so that we can overcome any obstacle or any struggle in our life. So like Peter, we can symbolically walk over the struggles or the challenges we have in life and overcome them. I'll give you a great example of this. In one of my parishes, I was able to minister to a woman who had severe MS. Her MS was so bad that her arms and legs were contracted. She was confined to her bed. In fact, she couldn't even turn in her bed. She needed nurses to help her turn. And yet, every time I visited her, she didn't allow the chaos of her MS to distract her away from Jesus Christ and his presence in her life. Every time I visited her, she always spoke about the presence of Christ in her life and how that gave her the courage and the conviction to continue on to live on each and every day of her life. You could see her attention was focused on Christ and Christ alone. Her whole life was ordered to Jesus Christ. And in doing so, she had the power of Christ to symbolically walk over the chaos or the disease of MS and not allow it to defeat her. Well, the same thing holds true with us. When we are focused, our attention is on Christ and Christ alone, We, too, have that power of Jesus. We, too, can walk over the struggles or the challenges that we have in life. Now, the story continues. Peter suddenly looks away. He's distracted. Now his attention is on the wind, the waves, the rain, and the storm. What's the result? He begins to sink. Well, that's a great lesson for us all. When Christ is no longer the center of our attention— When we look away and now our attention is focused on something else in this world, then we sink in the midst of our struggles. Then the challenges that we have in our life get the best of us, and we feel overwhelmed. And yet, when that happens, what do we have to do? Do it exactly what Peter did. Peter calls out to Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this, he doesn't call out to the apostles in the boat. He doesn't say to them, hey, bring the boat around and pick me up. Or throw me a line. No, immediately his attention is directed back to Jesus. He knows Christ and only Christ can save him. We too have to do the same thing. Even if we are distracted away from Jesus, our attention is focused on something else, what should we do? Follow the example of Peter. Cry out to Jesus, Lord help me. And we can do that in many different ways. 
by prayer, by going to confession. Even at Mass, we cry out to Jesus. When we pray or say our petitions, we are crying out to God to pray not only for us, but for others in this world. And what will Jesus do? He will stretch out his arms and catch us and rescue us. One last thing to think about. What does Jesus say to Peter? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, don't make the mistake. Jesus is not criticizing Peter or admonishing him. I think what Jesus is really trying to say to Peter, Peter, do you really think that I would allow anything to happen to you or allow you to drown? Do you know that I'm here to protect you? I think those are the words that Jesus was trying to communicate. Those are the words of comfort and trust. Our God is a God that won't allow any harm to come to us, even the harm of death itself. That's how powerful God's love is. Friends, I strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread and also pray over this gospel passage. Put yourself in the place of Peter. Allow Jesus to command you and say, come. And make sure that your t- attention is always riveted and focused on Christ. When you do that, then you have the strength and the power to symbolically walk over all the struggles that you have in your life. And even if your attention is somehow distracted away from Jesus, call out to him and he will stretch out his arms and rescue you. Because our God is a God that loves us so much that won't let or allow anything to harm us. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.